He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Shout like he did it. Dance like he did it. Somebody ought to run like he did it. I know it's Tuesday night, but somebody ought to praise him like he did it in this place. Hallelujah. Yeah. Woo. Any free people in the building tonight? Are there any free people in the building tonight? We don't just celebrate Independence Day on July the 4th. But we celebrate it every time we walk in this place uh, that we got our freedom from bondage. Uh, we got freedom from... Woo! High five about six people on the way to your seat. Tell them I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Woo! And old timers would say, the devil thought he had me, but I, I got away. Uh, somebody said the devil should have killed me while he had the chance, but it's too late now. My mind's made up. It's too late now. My feet is always on the rock. Uh, it's too late now. I got my mind on heaven. It's too late now. I got the word in my heart. Are you free in this place tonight? Amen. You can be seated for just a brief moment tonight. We're so excited to be in the house of the Lord on Tuesday evening. And uh, we want to take a brief opportunity to welcome our guests into the house of the Lord. We have several guests that are here on Tuesday night. Rock Church, would you help me? Put your hands together and make some noise and welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord tonight. Come on, somebody. We are so excited to have you right here at the Rock Church, and we want you to know that we only consider you a guest for five minutes. After that, as far as we're concerned, you're at home here at the Rock Church. Amen, somebody. So on behalf of the Rock Church, welcome home. Amen. Amen. We're so excited you're here. And uh, I, I don't see my little buddy here yet, but Brother Trevor Sloss is here tonight, and we just want to congratulate them again on the birth of precious uh, little Felix. And uh, I got to meet him on Sunday night, I think it was. And he is just absolutely adorable. And uh, I started talking. You know, I'm, I've made it a practice that when, when anybody has a baby and I meet them for the very first time, the first words they hear out of my mouth when I pick them up is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, yeah, so I got I got to quote some one God scriptures to Felix, and there he is walking in the back door as we speak with his mama and his daddy. Would you help me give a great big 
Congratulations, Brother Trevor, Sister Morgan Sloss, and little Felix tonight. Come on, let's welcome him into the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So good to see Brother and Sister Hoffer in the house of the Lord tonight. Grandma and Grandpa Hoffer now. Amen. We know that's why they were a little bit late. They were waiting on Grandma Hoffer to get ready for church. I'm just playing. We're so honored to have them in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Stand with me if you would all over this house. I want to I want to hasten to the word of the Lord tonight. And, uh, and uh, I feel something in my spirit that I want to teach tonight. Is that all right if we just have a Tuesday night Bible study tonight. Is that all right? Bible says that his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not because they don't shout and run and dance and who, and we love all of that stuff. If you don't believe it, just hang around here a little while and you'll know that. Amen. But when we get done running and jumping and shouting, our feet have to land on the word. Amen. We've got to worship him in spirit. And in truth. Amen, somebody. And so I have felt this in my spirit to teach tonight. And uh, I may not be able to finish it. And if I don't finish, uh, I promise you I won't run the clock. We'll just come back and finish it on another night. Uh, we'll, we'll be done when the Holy Ghost is done. Or when Waffle House closes, whichever comes later. Some of y'all ain't even paying attention tonight. Amen. Amen. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where I want to direct your attention tonight. And I, I encourage you, if you have a pen and paper to take notes tonight uh, or your, your, your note application on your phone or whatever means necessary, get this word in your heart tonight. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse number 33, I want to read just this one verse of Scripture tonight as a launching point for what I want to teach. And it simply says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Be not deceived. Evil communications Corrupt, somebody say corrupt, good manners. And so for a few moments uh, tonight, I simply want to teach about the corruption interruption. The corruption interruption. Would you put your Bibles down one more time, clap your hands and give God a great praise all over this sanctuary tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Before we dive too far into this, I want to visit a little study, uh, an etymological study here in our text. Because when you read the King James version of this verse, which we just did, uh, sometimes we can lose the depth of understanding what this verse is really trying to say. 
And so if you were to take a couple of the key words in this verse and look at their original context, it would help you to understand a little bit better what the Apostle Paul is writing uh, to the church at Corinth. Number one is the word communications. Somebody say communications. The word communications here does not refer to speech or the transactions alone of uh, information as we would typically use the word communication. As a matter of fact, the original word in the Greek is the word omelia, which means a group of companions or the company that you keep or the crowd that you run with. Can I put it in 2023 language? It's your squad. Maybe that's 2020-ish. It's a few years old. So the word communications means the company that you keep. And then the word manners, evil communications corrupt good manners. The word manners in the Greek is the word athos. And this does not mean manners as in your mom didn't teach you any manners not to put your elbows on the table, not to eat with your mouth open, not to chew gum with your mouth. I don't know about y'all, I break all of those all the time. Drives my wife crazy. You gotta chew your gum like that. Oh, it tastes so much better. <laughs> Anybody beside me? It tastes better when you smack your gum and pow, blow bubbles and or slurp your coffee. She's like, why are you slurping? If I have any coffee experts in the building, the proper way to drink coffee is to slurp it. Because you are pulling the coffee over the front part of your palate and exposing the front of your tongue, which has different senses than the back of your tongue. And you, you are able to intake the separate notes of the coffee on a different... Am I right, Sister Sierra? You're, you're supposed to slurp your coffee. Lord, I'm going to cause division in the households tonight. Someone's going to go home and make a cup of coffee on purpose. It's settled in here now. But this word manners is not manners like you think it is manners, but what it actually means is your morals or your character. And so you could read the scripture like this. Evil company or evil friends corrupt good character. And the word evil simply means to, uh, to be wrong in nature, or uh, it means uh, ought to be, or, or what not such as it ought to be, or, or simply wrong. Friends or company that you keep that is wrong or, or is in error will corrupt your moral character. Are you with me tonight? And what I want to focus on here a little bit is that preceding that statement is this one. Be not deceived. 
that tells me that there is a propensity for people to think that in fact you can keep company with people who are wrong, who are not what they're supposed to be, and that somehow you can maintain a godly character. Well, I wish I had a preaching church in the building tonight. This verse tells me uh, that humanity has a proclivity uh, to think that somehow we are impervious uh, to, the, uh, to the influence uh, of people or friends uh, who are not right with God, who are ungodly, who are not doing right. That, that somehow uh, we can remain connected to these kinds of influences uh, and that Somehow, uh, it will not affect uh, our character and who be uh, not uh, deceived. The writer said, uh, don't be fooled uh, into thinking uh, that you can be connected to just anything uh, and it not affect uh, who you become. Uh, what you are connected to uh, has direct implications uh, on your character uh, and your morality. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. That's why you have to guard uh, your connections. That's why you have to have uh, some Holy Ghost discernment uh, and some the ability uh, to manage uh, relationships. There is an element of deception, not just a mistake. And let me clarify the difference. He did not say don't make the mistake of thinking. That's not what he said. He said, be not deceived. There's a difference because a mistake has no uh, ill intention behind it. But to be deceived means that there is a motive behind the connection. Oh, my God. This is why when you go back to the Garden of Eden and everything you can find in the book of Genesis... When you begin to study theology and you understand the law of first reference and, and, and you study hermeneutics, then you understand you can find all of these principles in, in the Word of God clear back in the book of Genesis. And so here we are in the book of Genesis, and we find Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on some things because uh, Sunday as I was preaching, Sunday morning, there were some things that I began to preach that I felt like the Holy Ghost just said, I need you to come back to some of those things on Tuesday night. And so here they are in the garden, and, and, and they have direct uh, uh, instructions and a covenant with their creator who put them in a garden and, and, uh, and said, listen, of all the trees in the garden, thou mayest freely eat except this one. And isn't it something that the enemy, that deceptive enemy, the Bible says he is the great deceiver, that there is no truth in him. And, and in the book of Revelation, uh, we find him as a serpent in a garden in Genesis. But by the time you find him in Revelation, he has grown into a great dragon. 
And isn't it something that the first thing he does is trying to get them focused on what they could not have and get their attention off of what God said they could have. They started to trip. Now, I know that's young language, but just flow with me. They started to trip over the fact that they couldn't eat from one tree, all the while ignoring the entire rest of the garden that was available to them. That's what happens when we when we lose sight of a thankful and a grateful attitude. We, we become blind to all of the things we do have, all of the blessings. We, we become myopic and focused on on what we don't have, and what we don't have, and if you're not careful, you can let the one thing you don't have begin to diminish your gratefulness for everything you do have. And here they are in the garden, and and that old sneaky serpent, the deceiver. Remember, be not deceived. He winds up in the garden. The garden is an environment. As a matter of fact, it's an environment that God creates before he puts man in it because God always creates the environment first to sustain successfully whatever it is he has created to live in it. And so the serpent shows up in this environment and straightway we find him talking to Eve. And he begins to influence Eve. She knows what God said. She knows what her husband said. But because she's entertaining a conversation that she should have never had, she begins to open herself to influence. Be not deceived. The conversations you open yourself up to are not all created equal. And they don't all have pure motives behind them. And so she begins to have this conversation and he begins to influence her until finally uh, she looks at the fruit and the Bible says she partakes of the fruit and does eat of it. Listen, and gives, this is how it's worded in the scripture, and gives it to her husband who was with her. Now, this blows me away because all my life, I pictured her, uh, the enemy, waiting for a moment when she was by herself. And he caught her by herself over here doing her thing, and it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation. But according to the word of God, uh, Adam was standing right there uh, while she was having the conversation. Uh, and part of the problem is, uh, is that before he ever gave Adam a wife, Eve, uh, he charged Adam to keep the garden. Uh, keep the garden. Protect the garden. Uh, make sure that, that, that the wrong things uh, aren't showing up inside of the garden. He was a gardener uh, before he was a husband. Uh, and he had the responsibility uh, of keeping the environment uh, before he could keep a wife. Uh, can I preach for a moment to you single men? Uh, before you start wanting to date a woman, uh, learn how to take dominion over the environments in yourself. 
I should get some shouters right here. Some of y'all wanting to give flowers and date and, 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 and get, get her number. And you haven't even learned yet how to take dominion in the environment of your life. What you going to do? Bring her into your chaos? Bring her into your confusion? Bring her in. I tell you what you need to do before you can keep a wife. You got to keep a garden. You got to learn how to. Oh, I wish I had a witness. You got to learn how to keep that garden from ungodly influence. You got to learn how to take dominion in that garden. And if you'll be faithful over that, then God will give you. And so he fails to protect the environment. And he leaves his wife in a vulnerable moment. What he should have done is interrupted the interaction and said, hey, 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 hey. What did he just say? Did he just say something contrary to the word? I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you came from. But you got to get up out of this garden because we're not entertaining those kind of conversations. When I wish I had a shouting church in here. We're not going to entertain that kind of stuff. What you said directly defies the principles and the word of God. Get your stuff. I command you, Satan, in the name of the Lord, to pick up your weapons and flee. This was the responsibility of the gardener who was a husband. But instead... He didn't have what it took. And he allowed the transaction and interaction to happen. And what he should have done, Brother Collins, what, what he did is he, he said, well, if she did it, I'm going to do it too. And I get it. We preach all kind of theology there. You, you know, he, he did it because he loved her. And we know he wasn't deceived. Well, see, now I'm going to read part of the Bible. Some of y'all want to ignore it. The Bible tells us literally in the word of God that Adam was not deceived. That Eve was the one that was deceived. That means his actions were not motivated from deception, uh, but they came from a place of dysfunction uh, 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 on how he felt. Uh, he, you know, he, oh my God, help me, Jesus. The problem is uh, he didn't have self-identity uh, before he got married to her, before he had a wife. Uh, and because he didn't know who he was uh, when she fell uh, and introduced sin into the garden and the relationship, uh, he didn't have the character he didn't have the moral structure to say, I don't care what you do. I'm sorry, Eve, you made a mistake, but I'm not going to make the mistake with you. I was God's man before I was your man. Well, I wish I had a witness. That goes for some young ladies too. You got to be able to say, I was God's girl before I was ever your girl. And my loyalty is first to him before you. And as long as you're living for God, baby, I'm with it. But the moment you defy the principles of God, I'm not going there with you. I'm not going to sin with you. I'm not going to come. Come on, somebody. Be not deceived. And so what he should have done, Brother Stewart, is he should have said, oh man, God, listen, Eve made a mistake, but I love her. She's my wife. I know she's supposed to die, but take me instead. But that's not what he did. But thank God, years later, 
when Mary ran to the tomb, she looked and there was a man that looked like a gardener. And it was Jesus before he was ascended. And you know what he did? He did what the first man, Adam, failed to do. The first man, Adam, should have taken dominion over the serpent. But this was the promise from God that his heel shall bruise the head of the serpent. And what the first gardener didn't take care of, the second gardener went to hell and took the keys from death, hell, and the old death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy... And, and so, this connection, this willingness to converse and allow a uh, uh, an influential transaction to happen ushered in an entire new paradigm, an entire new dispensation to humanity. And so the scripture says, be not, y'all didn't know all that was in those three words, be not deceived. Don't be fooled into thinking like Eve did that you can sit at anybody's table and have conversations about things that are against God's principle and his word and that somehow you're going to wind up in a good place and escape. No, no, no. Don't be deceived into thinking you can play with snakes and not get bit by them. Don't be deceived into thinking you can play with fire and not get burned. Not, not a mistake. It's beyond making a mistake. There's a spirit of deception attached to it. The spirit of Satan. And so this is the warning that the word of the Lord gives us. Is that evil communications, ungodly or disobedient, bitter. We could put all kinds of adjectives there. Friends, company you keep, acquaintances, they will destroy your godly and moral character. And you have to understand the toxicity that can happen is sometimes so innate that, that, that we don't even realize what's happening. I, I heard a story one time about a man who had a, a, an orchard. And, and, and his orchard, all of a sudden, one year, he, he noticed, he went out one day and there was leaves that began to wilt prematurely on these trees. And, and, and he was tra had a trained eye. He could tell that these trees were starting to look sick. And, and in just a short order, he began to see the, the, the fruit shrivel up on the tree and and, and he couldn't figure it out. He, he tried increasing the water, and that didn't work. He tried special fertilizers. That didn't work. He, he didn't know if they were getting too much sun. Not, he, he, he was panicking. And so he found somebody who was an expert uh, uh, in, in, in the field of, 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 of fruit trees and orchards. And so this man comes out, and, and he walks through the orchard, and he's trying to figure out what's happening. And within a couple of hours, Brother Stewart, uh, he, he calls the, the owner and says, I, I found the problem. Meet me here at the back of the orchard. And so the owner of the orchard meets the man there at the back of the orchard and he said, I found the problem. He said, and the problem isn't even on your property. 
and he pointed across the fence and the property line and there down a little ways on the other side on somebody else's property was a black walnut tree and he began to explain that the black walnut tree is poisonous it's highly toxic and 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 its most potent part of its toxicity is not in its walnuts or the the branches although those are toxic but it's in the root system he said it is so toxic that if there is any other plants that are within even 60 feet of this tree it will begin to poison those trees underground the toxicity of the roots and then that toxicity will spread from one tree to the next and so he didn't even realize that his problem wasn't even his own trees it was the toxicity of a tree that was in somebody else's property and you don't even have enough understanding sometimes to realize that you are placing yourself in proximity of people who have roots of bitterness and traits of toxicity unrepented sin in their life uh, things in their life that they are entertaining, uh, that they are cultivating in their life. Uh, and I don't care how nice they look. Uh, I don't care how many church services they show up to. Uh, I don't care how smooth they talk. Uh, if they're smoother than the serpent in the garden, uh, baby, if they've got toxicity in their roots, uh, it doesn't matter. If you get close to them, uh, you're going to be affected. Uh, you're, uh, come on, somebody. Uh, because evil communication uh, corrupts good manners that's why you've got to be prayed up in the Holy Ghost that's why you can't be living a life of carnality because your carnality will be attracted to their carnality and you won't even understand why I just enjoy hanging out with them it's the carnality that you haven't repented of that's attracted to them and then all of a sudden you wonder why you're asking questions you never asked before they're not why because they're not even your questions. It's their questions. But the root system is starting to tap into your spirit. All of a sudden, you're just mimicking things that are being said in conversation. All of a sudden, you're just repeating phrases and lines and thought processes that you heard from what's happening. It's evil communication that is corrupting your character. Its root system is operating below the surface. Sometimes in dimensions uh, that you can't even see, Brother Stewart. Uh, sometimes it's not even information. Uh, it's impartation. Uh, sometimes it's not even words spoken. Uh, but there's an impartation uh, of one person's spirit to another. Uh, and their carnality uh, and disobedience uh, and bitterness uh, and lying and deception. Uh, you're just hanging around thinking you're playing video games. Uh, you're just hanging out thinking you're at dinner. Uh, but there is a spiritual uh, impartation uh, that is coming into your spirit. Come on, you can't be deceived by it. Uh, you've got to have the Holy Ghost. Uh, you've got to have some discernment uh, to understand hey, uh, there's something not right here. Uh, there's something uh, There's something my spirit doesn't agree with. Uh, they said some things uh, that are red flags to me. Uh, and remove yourself uh, from the toxic environment. I wish I had a witness in the building. So, the word of the Lord declares to be not deceived. Don't get caught up in that. 
I've watched saints of God that go through cycles of struggle over and over and over and over again because this area of their life remains unguarded. And they pray through and they get a breakthrough and they do good little for a little while. And you know what? The enemy studied them. He finds just the right person to bring into their path. Just the right person. And if he catches them at a vulnerable place, they feel loved by this person. They feel they paid them a little bit of attention. They they gave them some attention. And, and so they gravitate, not even understanding that those people are being used by the enemy. Oh, I wish. I had a witness in the building. Don't you ever forget uh, that God chose the 12 uh, and there was still a Judas uh, in the midst of the 12. Uh, don't you ever forget uh, you're sitting in a house full of apostolics, uh, but not everybody up in this building uh, has a right spirit. Uh, oh, I'm going to preach it good tonight. Uh, I'm just going to yank the cover off. Uh, if the shoe fits, uh, repent over it. Uh, if you ain't that person, uh, then you ought to be on your feet shouting with the preacher. Uh, but not everybody in the building has the right motive not doesn't have the right come on some do you know there's people in the building that are sitting there right now with bitterness in their roots anger in their roots unforgiveness in their roots rebellion in their roots disobedience in their roots oh yeah you better have enough holy ghost inside of you to learn how to love them and Come on, somebody. Come on. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. <laughs> yeah, come on. Somebody ought to give God praise right there. I don't have time to preach all this. Jesus, Jesus didn't pull everybody into his circle. There, there were multiple relationship circles. Jesus sat with the, with the 5,000 and taught them and their husbands, their, 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 their wives and their children, 10, 15,000. But, but then there were the 120. And, and it was more discriminating. There were some things that, that he could not open up with or connect with, so it was the 120. And then other times it was him and the 12. And, and it didn't even include the rest. Of it. And, and, and then it wasn't just them. Then it was Peter, James, and John. And they were the inner circle. And, and, and then, then there was times uh, that it was just him and his father in heaven in a garden. You've got to learn how to protect your circles. You've got to understand who belongs in what circles. of I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. There's some people, I love you. I'm going to smile. I'm going to pray for you. But until you start living different, here's where the boundary is. Come on, I wish I had a witness. Until you start making some better decisions, I can't let you pass this point in our relationship. I love you. I'll pray for you. You. I'll give you a sweater. I'll make you a meal. I'll pray with you in the altar. But until you start making some better decisions, there's some boundaries that I've got set. Come on, you better learn where to put the boundaries in your life. Be not deceived. Because your character, your morals, become corrupted that word corrupt is, is a strong word because it, it, it indicates to us that it is not something that happens instantly it, it, it indicates to us that there is a process 
that happens a little bit out of a time. You know why? Because that's how the enemy operates. He is subtle. And the word subtle means to make changes so small at a time that they are imperceptible. The move that he's making is so calculated and slow and incremental that by the time it happens, you don't even realize that it was happening. And the process of corruption happens a little bit at a time. And the longer you stay friends and the more time you spend with them, it's eating away at your character. It's eating away. Seeds are being planted in your thoughts and in your spirit that begin to take root and begin to, it's like Samson fell in love with Delilah. And, and he, didn't, he didn't give her all of his secrets at once she, she had to keep working at it and every time she kept pressing him with her words he'd give her a little bit more what was happening his morals were corrupting and it got closer and closer you want to know what the name Delilah means it's the original word Delilah which means to weaken or to slacken by process he was in love with something uh, that was killing him. He was friends with something uh, that was destroying him. Uh, he thought she was a friend. Uh, but you say he's just a friend. So you 90s babies got that. Everybody else didn't. They went right over their head. Thought, he, thought she was his friend. But that's my friend. I love him. You don't understand the flip side of the coin. And what you think is a friend is a tool of the enemy that is corrupting your character a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Before you know it, you're saying things that you never thought you would say. And you're thinking things that you never thought you would think. And you're wrestling with things and you're wondering why am I even wrestling with this I've never had to deal with this it's not even your orchard it's the walnut tree on this somebody else's property you just allowed the root systems to connect and so the word of the Lord has a lot to say about us guarding and valuing our character, our name. Sometimes we call it reputation, but there's a little bit of a difference. Reputation is what people think you are. Character is who you really are. And the two sometimes aren't the same thing. That's why when people don't have a genuine heart to be right, they just want to look right. They're worried about their reputation instead of their character. I'm worried about what people, when you find somebody who is preoccupied with what everybody thinks about them, it's a sign that they have character problems that they're trying to fix with reputation addresses. Oh, it's going to get quiet up in here, up in. 
because when your character is right, you don't care what anybody says. Because if my character is right, my reputation will eventually take care of itself. Oh, I wish I had a witness. When my character's right, I ain't got to fight you over my reputation because my character eventually will shine through. Eventually, Joseph, they're going to realize they were lying about you. Eventually, Joseph, they're going to realize you didn't do what she said you did. Eventually, come on, quit worrying about your reputation and get focused on your character. If you'll be right, your reputation will fix its ah everybody's looking at me funny now everybody now nobody looks at everybody think quit worrying about your reputation you're focused on the wrong thing if you'll get your heart right and start living right your reputation will fix itself we're preoccupied with reputation they want people to think a certain, you want people to think about you in ways that you've not yet earned. <laughs> I want to look like a million dollars. So I'll go in debt and get broke on an outfit that looked like a million. But I ain't got nothing in the bank. They're about to shut my Metro phone off. Why? Because you're trying to create a reputation that you have not yet earned. Quit focus on stunting and start managing your money right and putting God first. And one day you'll be a millionaire and you won't have to tell nobody about it. You won't have to try to wear a jacket to prove it. You won't have to try to drive a certain vehicle to show. Come on, somebody. Don't worry about your reputation. Fix your character. We're trying to earn accolades that we haven't earned. Why do you think we take pictures like this on selfies? We want to look 50 pounds lighter while we over here dipping in the McDonald's milkshakes. I, Jesus, I lost half of them right there. One is your reputation that you're worried about. Uh, the other one is the real you and who you really are. Come on, somebody. I got somebody's number in the building. <laughs> the Bible says that a good name, tell your neighbor, a, neighbor, a good name. Proverbs 22 and 1 says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. If you have the choice to be a billionaire or have a good name, pick the good name. Because if you have a good name, you can get the billion dollars. Oh, I wish I, see, this is what we need a revival of right here, huh? is a revelation that character always wins. 
There are no shortcuts to success. If you'll do right, it'll come to you. You'll be blessed. And when the blessing of the Lord comes, the Bible says it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. You won't have to lie to be successful. You won't have to swindle people to make money. You won't have to cheat and climb over people and make them look bad in order to make yourself look bad. Come on, somebody. Oh, you better choose a good name over the wealth every single time. Tell your neighbor, I want a good name. That's what credit is all about. Uh-oh. Y'all don't sit on me now. Your credit score is a reflection of your name. Some of y'all sitting down on me. You know what a bad credit score means? I don't, can I just preach it plain? It means you're not trustworthy. It means they gave you money. You promised and gave them your word and your name saying that you would pay it back at this time every time. And you didn't do it. Sister Mandy, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. And so they give you a poor credit score. And some of y'all are trying to rebuke the devil off your FICO score. I got a 550? The devil is a liar. No, the devil is telling the truth. What you need to do is start paying your bills. Come on, you need to quit going and buying those Louis Vuitton bags that you can't afford uh, and go pay your bills. Oh, I'm going to lose some of y'all. You need to go trade that car in uh, that you can't afford the payments on uh, and start paying your bills. I'm talking about character, uh, not reputation. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the car and the bag, uh, that's the reputation you draw. I'm trying to get everybody to think. Uh, but you got a 550 credit score uh, and you're one step away from bankruptcy. No, 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 no. Uh, you got to get focused on your character. Uh, you got to quit worrying about all that other stuff uh, and start working on your name uh, being something. Come on. See, you need a revelation that your name is currency. There are some doors that will only open because you got a good name. Can I just preach it like I feel it? The reason you're being passed up from, for promotions isn't because of your ethnicity. Oh, Jesus. It's because you're lazy. You keep showing up to work late. And then you think the reason they won't promote you uh, is because of where you're from. The devil really is a liar. Uh, quit worrying about your reputation uh, and start working on your character. Uh, I'm supposed to be here at 8. Uh, I'm going to be there at 7.55, Brother Michael. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you work on your name, uh, promotion doesn't come uh, from the east or the west. Uh, but promotion uh, comes from wish I had a Bible student in the building. Uh, it's not your boss's decision. Uh, God will elevate you uh, when you have the character uh, to support the position. 
If God gave you the promotion now, uh, you'd kill yourself with it. Uh, you'd hurt other people with it. Uh, but when you got your character straight, uh, God can lift you up uh, like he did Joseph uh, and not worry about you taking revenge on people uh, when you got a little bit of say-so uh, and not worry about you mistreating people. God can trust you uh, to look at people with grace uh, and mercy uh, and compassion. Come on, somebody. can't get any opportunities people just don't like me no you're a liar if the shoe fits wear it baby if not don't get quiet on me nobody trusts a liar and if you don't want people to feel that way about you quit worrying about your reputation quit lying become trust Worthy. To understand it, you just flip the words around. Worthy of trust. I'm worthy of the trust. Why? Because I don't lie. And I do what I say I'm going to do. And I am where I'm supposed to be. And you can, I wish I had a witness in the pit. You got to be concerned about your character. Your name. It means everything. I get worried. When I hear Holy Ghost filled people run their mouth as I don't care what nobody thinks. I don't care what nobody thinks. That's foolish. To be so unaware of influence and the name that God gives you that you don't care what anybody thinks uh, is to be irresponsible uh, with the anointing that God has placed on your life. Uh, I'm not going to capitulate to the polls. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not trying to offend people intentionally. Uh, I'm not trying to run over people with my actions and my words. Uh, come on, somebody. The Bible says uh, to consider uh, your brother uh, before yourself. I lost my shouters on this one right here. It's a sign of immaturity and poor character when somebody starts saying, I just don't care what nobody says. I don't care what they I don't care what nobody thinks. Some of us, oh boy. <laughs> Some of us need to let the Holy Ghost get a hold of our social media posting. This passive aggressive use of social media. When you get upset with people, instead of being a man or a woman and doing what the Bible says and entreating them, you post some meme that you found that fits the situation so that you could have a little excuse not to be responsible for what you said if they call you out on it. Uh, and you, I wasn't talking about you. So-and-so posted it. I just thought it was cool. Who you think you fooling, Willis? You ain't fooling nobody, Willis. Everybody sees right through your little tricks and games. Uh, you might as well just quit worrying about your reputation uh, and get your character right. Uh, when you get your heart right and your character right, uh, even your social media posts uh, will edify people uh, and they won't speak. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. <laughs> and so, and so we have to protect and guard our name. Ecclesiastes 7 and 1 says, a good name is better than precious ointment. And we can look at this a couple of different ways because when you talk about precious ointment, you're talking about the apothecary. 
And there were, there were a few different things that, that, that was in the scope of what the apothecary did. One, one of those things is they, they produced fragrances. They produced sweet-smelling perfumes that, that were considered some of the most valuable uh, uh, textiles and commodities of those ancient Middle Eastern days, Brother Hammond. The, the apothecary was a big, big, big deal. And, and, and the Bible says that, that a good name is better than a sweet-smelling fragrance. Why? Because the fragrance is a cover-up to the real you. Let me explain. When you wake up in the morning, honey, you don't smell like Chanel 57. When you get off of work, sir, you don't smell like Mont Blanc Explorer. You smell funky. And, 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 and the, the sweet, uh, savory smell uh, covers up. It puts a smoke screen up uh, to, to make people think that that's how you smell. Uh, this is what I emanate. Uh, this is what, I'm not hating on perfume and cologne. I got some, I got some Mont Blanc on tonight, baby. I could, I'm going to spray it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Uh, I like to smell good, but, 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 but a good name uh, is the real you. It's, it's when you strip off uh, the perfume uh, and you remove the cover-ups. Uh, what is your name putting out there? What do people get from being around you? Uh, a good name is better. And then, and then we could look at it from the aspect of the apothecary who produced the anointing oil. And so when you deal with the apothecary, and even the anointing oil had fragrances that were built in. And, and, and you can read about them when they, when, when they celebrated the birth of, of the baby Jesus. They brought frankincense and, and myrrh. What were these things? These were gifts from the apothecary. They were ingredients used to, uh, in the making of, uh, of these anointing oils. And, and the scripture says this in, in, uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, dead flies caused the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. And I could preach this 15 different ways. The preacher in me can just find 100 ways to preach this. But one of them is this. You ever, you ever poured a drink at home like, like you were real thirsty and there was like one Coke Zero left and you're like, oh, thank God. And you go grab a glass and load it with some ice and you crack that can open. You pour it in. Some of y'all getting thirsty. And you're like, oh, I'm so thirsty. And you go to turn around and throw the can away. And while you're turning around, a fly lands inside of the pips, the Coke. And you turn around and there's a fly walking all up in the swimming in the Coke. How many of you just take the fly out and drink the Coke? How many of y'all just throw that Coke right in the trash can like, nope. I don't even have to ask my daughter Tiana. I already know the answer to that one. But that's what he's talking about. You work so hard to develop good character and the reputation that comes from that character that just a little bit of folly 
is like that fly that lands in there. And it don't matter how good everything in that container is, the fly causes it to be spoiled. And he that is in reputation, there's the word, for wisdom and honor. His reputation of wisdom and honor is tainted. It's thrown away by a little bit of, it takes a lifetime to build a good name and it only takes a few moments to lose it. Come on, I wish I had a witness. It takes a lifetime, Brother Moore, uh, to be dependable and trustworthy. And, uh, and, and it only takes a little bit of folly, uh, a few bad decisions, uh, acting like a fool uh, to lose everything uh, that you worked for. Come on, so I'm pre let, let, me preach to, let me preach to all the preachers in the building. This is why, and, and, and you could take it further than this. When you get the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost teaches you how to avoid foolish conversation. And the Bible says, avoid foolish jesting. You got to learn that just because you make it a joke doesn't make it okay. Whoa, I'm going to get on somebody's row right here. We, we, we try to be passive aggressive uh, by, by using little snide remarks to tear people down. Uh, and we think if we encase it in a joke and laugh about it, uh, that it becomes power. That's foolish jesting. When you get the Holy Ghost, God helps you with that. But let, let me talk to ministers for a moment. You don't even realize how you marginalize your influence with people. It ain't easy. Brother Hammond, when God calls you and puts a mantle of anointing, he requires more of us. We have to be an example. We have to set the standard even higher for how we carry ourselves and our conversation and, and how we interact with people. And, and it, if you're not careful, it, just a few loose conversations, thinking that everything's a joke, thinking that everything, in just a little bit, you can marginalize. And you that were in reputation for wisdom and honor, now the only thing they can do, it all they can smell is the flies. They can't even see you as anointed because all they can remember is the foolishness you did. You get up to minister and they can't even, they have a difficult time even receiving it from you because uh, the only thing they can think about uh, is that foolish thing that you did. Uh, that foolish thing. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody in the building. Uh, you got to protect your name. Uh, you got to protect your care. Have fun. Uh, joke around. Uh, but it should never be at somebody else's expense. Uh, it should never be in a way uh, that you cross the line. Uh, into speaking foolishly uh, or speaking in ways that are unseemly uh, or tainted. Come on, somebody. I, I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm not going to preach all this tonight. Promise. Music come and, and give them some hope tonight. And so, another way you could look at it is that the apothecary, that, that anointing oil that God puts in your life. Why? Why would the flies be attracted to it? Because if you study, flies are primarily attracted to light. And when God puts a measure of anointing on a person, there is a radiancy that begins to glow in their life. It's like David standing there in the midst of his brothers as they poured the oil over his head. 
There's a glistening that's coming from that anointing oil that's flowing down his vesture. And the flies are attracted to it. If you're anointed, be careful about what gets attracted to you. Because not everything that's attracted to you is good for you. Just by virtue of God's anointing, there is a gravitas that God puts in your life that's put there. It's, what it is, is it's influence on loan by God. And God says, I can attract some things to you because I'm going to trust you. But not everything that gets caught in that attraction is, is for your benefit. And you've got to learn how to protect that anointing that's in your life. You've got to learn how to protect that oil of anointing. God, I can't let what you've given me be tainted because of corrupt communication. Because I'm in the wrong circles of people. Because I got the wrong friends on speed dial. Because I got the wrong people that I'm spending my time with. I said this Sunday morning, and I'll repeat it again tonight. If you make friends with five liars, you'll become the sixth. Why? Because evil communication corrupts good manners. It's only a matter of time before the roots reach you. Your best friends are people that like to sneak around and disobey God's word and live in rebellion to, to the kingdom of God. It'll only be a matter of time before you're running with them. Just go, just go home and read about what was the young man's name that ran with uh, David's son that was in rebellion. Absalom's buddy. Somebody help me remember. Huh? Shimei. Good job, Brother Trevor. Just go home and read about Shimei who made friends with the wrong person. Absalom, who lived in rebellion. You want to know what Absalom's message was everywhere he went? My dad doesn't know what he's doing. If I was king, I'd do it different than that. When you entertain that attitude that sits around tables and complains about the way everything is done in the church, that's an Absalom spirit. Come on, I said that's an Absalom spirit that becomes so, you, they become myopic. They can't even see all the blessings. They can't. Ten people could get the Holy Ghost and revival breaking out and all they can do is complain about this and complain about that instead of rejoicing. It's an Absalom spirit. And Shimei was buddies with Absalom. But he never learned how to identify when Absalom crossed the line and break the relationship. And so he just kept hanging out with him. And it wasn't long before we find Shimei running down the edge of the river, throwing rocks at the man of God in his life. You can take that in a proverbial way. Throwing rocks at the man of God. Until the judgment of God finally came to Shimei's life. And I don't have time to preach all of that. 
but you've got to protect the anointing that God has placed in your life. Stand with me all over this house. I'm, I'm closing. One of the reasons that this becomes so important in your life living for God is because your character, which in turn will develop a reputation, should be a reflection of the God that you serve. Come on, don't, 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 don't tap out yet. Stay with me. I'm, I'm at the important part tonight. The reason you're not building a name for yourself. I said you're not building a name for yourself. You are not your own, but you are bought with a price. Therefore, you glorify God uh, in your body and in your spirit, which are, know ye not that ye are the temple uh, of the Holy Ghost. God has put his name uh, on your life. Uh, and God doesn't want his name uh, on a life that has poor character. Uh, God doesn't want you running around and people looking at you saying, uh, if that's what their God is like, I don't want nothing to do with him. If that's what their church is like, if this is how people in their church act, I don't want nothing to do. That's not what God wants in your life. He wants you to have a character that reflects his power and his love and his grace so that when people look at you, they say, I want whatever they have. I don't know where they go to church. I don't know the God they serve. But whatever it is, I need that in my life. What if we could all just make our way out of our pew tonight? It's Tuesday night. It's early. We're going to be out of here in a few moments. But I wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that would have enough humility to say, you know what? I need God to work on some stuff in my life. Come on. I need God to work on some stuff in my life. I need the Holy Ghost to work on some discernment in my spirit tonight. There's some things I'm connected to. There's some stuff that I've been attached to and involved with and that, that I, I need the Holy Ghost to help me tonight because uh, if I'm going to be what God wants me to be, uh, I've got to interrupt the corruption. If I'm going to be what God wants me to be, uh, there's got to be an interruption uh, of the corruption. <laughs> Hear me, I'm almost done tonight. God wants to give you favor. He wants to bless your name so that you have favor both in the house of God and in the world that you live in. This is what he told Jacob after the wrestling match. As a prince, hast thou power with God and with men. But what had to happen before that, that came? Jacob had to deal with his reputation. He had to deal with his poor character. God had to bring him over the Fort Jabbok, which means a place of emptying out. God had to bring him over the Fort Jabbok and face him and say, what is thy name? I'm Jacob. He was confused about who he was. He had allowed the communication of everybody else to influence who he became, a deceiver. That's what he said, I'm a deceiver. But God looked at him and said, that's not who I created you to be. You're not a deceiver, you're Israel. And I'm gonna give you blessing and power and authority. And when he had that encounter with God, he walked away a different man. And God interrupted, his life was corrupted. His life was falling apart. His life was in shambles. 
hear me somebody uh, he was running from his life uh, and just one uh, encounter with God interrupted the process of corruption uh, just one face to face encounter uh, with God uh, and it interrupted uh, the corruption uh, of an evil life uh, I'm telling somebody uh, that in one prayer meeting tonight uh, God can change the trajectory of your future uh, that in one prayer meeting uh, on a Tuesday night uh, God can interrupt uh, the corruption uh, God can break the cycle uh, of dysfunction uh, from the come on somebody lift your hands right now somebody lift your hands uh, and begin to pray God uh, I'm letting go of those connections right now God I'm letting go of those ungodly influences right now God, I'm turning loose of those things uh, that have caused me to walk in error, uh, that have affected my mind, uh, that have, uh, come on, somebody. Come on, you got to be what God has called you to be. Come on, let the Holy Ghost talk to you tonight. Let the Holy Ghost rearrange your thinking. Let the Holy Ghost rearrange. Come on. Come on, somebody. Oh, come on, that's it. There's a work of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Uh, come on. You'll be the husband God wants you to be. Uh, if you let him interrupt the corruption. Uh, you can be the wife uh, that God wants you to be. Uh, if you let him interrupt uh, the corruption. Uh, come on. You can have the family uh, that you dreamed about. Uh, if you'll allow the Holy Ghost uh, to interrupt uh, the corruption. Come on. Somebody in this place. But the Holy Ghost is doing a great work in this place right now. Come on. Come on, let the Holy Ghost talk to you. Let God lay his hand on you. Let God rearrange your spirit. Let God rearrange your heart. Come on. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. God, right here on a Tuesday night, right here in the middle of the week, God, I don't want to lose the anointing that you've given me. God, I don't want to lose your hand upon me. I don't want to lose the influence that you've lent to me, God. I don't want to barter away your hand that's in my life. Come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Interruption in this house tonight. Your love 
Somebody lift your hands right now. Come on. Come on in this place. It's here right now. It's here right now. Come on. Don't worry about your reputation. Ask God to help you with your character. Don't worry about your past mistakes. Ask God to help you live like you're supposed to live moving forward. Come on. Don't worry about the mistakes you made in your past. Ask God to anoint your future. moments tonight a few more moments tonight God let him touch you somebody needs to be like Jacob and say God I'm not gonna let you go tonight until you bless me until you change me until you lay your hand upon me until I leave a different person than I came in I'm not gonna live another day on the run 
I'm not going to live another day depressed. I'm not going to live another day in bondage. I'm not going to live another day under this identity. Lord, you've got to make me new, God. Come on, somebody get desperate with him tonight. Somebody wrestle with him tonight. Somebody grab a hold of him tonight. I will not let you go, Jesus.
all just a few more moments all over this house. Come on, lift your hands all over this house. Come on, lift your hands all over this house. Come on. I just feel like telling somebody in the building, uh, your spouse might be weak, but the Holy Ghost is going to give you strength uh, to stand up for righteousness. Come on. Come on, your wife or your husband might be weak, uh, but God's going to give you the strength to do what's right, uh, to stand for what's right. Come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus. Let's clap our hands and give God some praise tonight.